Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, I'm up at Spectrum Tax. I'm Thomas Weber on the board. SB Futures up 14, NASDAQ Futures up 39. There's a little bit of green on this machine, Mr. Weber. There was no green yesterday. Is, it, is that a glitch? I don't know. <laughs> yesterday, I'm like, what a sea of red. And I, you know, when something like that happens, it, even if you've been in a business as long as I have, when we turned during the show yesterday, when the number came out, and the numbers weren't even, they weren't even all that bad when I first saw them. But we were up 25 in the spoos. Kevin, I know you're here. I'll be up with you in a second. Uh, we immediately flipped it down 35, down 40. I'm thinking, okay, that's a... 65 point move that's probably enough <laughs> oops <laughs> wrong oh again eh you know it's great about this business you can be wrong like two or three times a day right man it's a it's a, it's a wonderful thing um but no i mean just, we just kept going kept going all day long it's like it's the first time anybody read anything that we've been talking about for three years for god's sake but are, are they that clueless I'm just, I'm just saying i don't know kevin how are you I'm doing all right. Hey, it, it, the, the job is as good as being a weatherman. You can be wrong all the time and not lose it. Well, the beauty of the weatherman, though, is Mr. Weber should know this is our meteorologist. If you predict it rains and it doesn't, nobody's pissed at you. If you if you say it's going to be <laughs> sunny and your picnic gets poured on, they're pissed at you. So you think they lean uh, conservative <laughs> you know, absolutely, projections? Absolutely. <laughs> There's always a chance of rain. They can never be wrong. And there's reasons for that, you know. They don't get pissed off at you because you don't look like what's her name, Michelle something something. So you got to be right. Just saying. Yeah, Cheryl Scott's not walking through that. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Cheryl, Michelle, Cheryl. What's the difference? Um, Yeah. So anyway, so Kevin, uh, it was. I think it was a shocker. I was uh, actually talking to a couple of uh, my attorney buddies last night, and they go, "All right, (laughs) give us a ten minute version. What the hell's going on?" And and I. Briefly, well, I'll be brief because I've said it so many times. I brought up the part about if you just pour money into the system, if you double the amount of money in the system, like what would happen? And everybody goes, well, everything would just adjust. Everybody have twice as much dough. Everything, all the prices would go up twice as much. So yeah, well, they, they essentially did that with thirty-five or forty percent over a three-year period. And one guy looks at me and says, nobody thinks like that. He said, but we should because if all of a sudden you get thirty-five percent more money in your pocket on average. Because of course everything's going to go up. I mean, why, why, why are these guys surprised? And I go, I don't know why they're surprised. I mean, it just—he says that's crazy. I mean, they just are. <laughs> they just are. But the thing that's even more insidious is that look every day. I shouldn't be doing this now. 
every day this savings per family number on this U.S. debt clock goes down between 50 to 75 to 100 bucks every day. So that's like four to eight billion dollars coming out of people's savings every stinking day now. That's how much people are getting are getting you know annihilated by this. It's just uh, it's it's nuts. I mean, I hope hope our guys find a way here, but. Well, if they called me up and said, give me three things to do, I'm not so sure I'd have the things on the, on the tip of my tongue. They, they got themselves in such a hole, Kevin, I don't know how they're going to get out of it. I, mean, I honestly don't. I mean, I've never seen a, a price level problem like this. I've seen inflation like this during the 60s or the 70s and 80s, but I never saw something where we went up 35 40% in a two-and-a-half-year period. That was so gradual that, you, you know, all of a sudden your savings rates went up and all the other stuff kind of, people kind of learned to deal with it, with, you know, with... Uh, uh, COLA clauses, cost of living adjustment clauses and things like that. I haven't seen one of these union contracts that has one in there. Now, they don't give us the whole contract, obviously, but I haven't seen one where they've seen even this railroad strike thing. It's not in there, is it? They're getting this raised and sort of making up for the last few years, but not really, and kind of nothing going forward. I don't, I don't know why I'd sign that contract if I'm a union. By the way, uh, yeah, I, think, I think the only one that slightly resembles it would be um, uh, anything that... Uh, um, sets the dollar amount for a salary cap in pro sports. Yeah. Hey, you gotta, I don't then they get the inflated prices, and that raises the cap, and when they raise the cap, most teams spend up to up to the cap or somewhere, something like that. So so that's probably, they're, they're probably the only guys smart enough who to, to have gotten uh, an escalator in there, and I'm sure that that wasn't an inflation adjustment as much as it was the idea that... Uh, They'd figure out that the uh, ownership would find new ways to make revenue. Well, I think your city, I mean, your, your public unions, I think, have it. Most of them do. But I have a question for, for you guys. Cause, I mean, obviously, I'm here managing money all day, and uh, Maddie's out in the world a little bit more than me these days, and uh, so are you. This this concept, my, uh, my buddy's been tweeting me about the railroad strike, the pending railroad strike. And I was going back and forth with him, and I said, you know, Compared to what other unions are getting, your pay increase, although I think it's not enough because there's not a COLA thing in there, I said, it's it's really not bad. And he goes, don't believe what you read. It has nothing to do with that. He says, we, he has, we had something to do with it. He said, we, they've laid off so many people that every person is on call 24-7. Because you literally can't go out of town for the weekend. You don't know when your days are. Well, if you got help, if you go to a cookout and you have a few beers and they call you and say they need you, he goes, because you're on twenty four seven call. Is I don't know if anybody's like that except maybe police well, or somebody. You are actually IT people are, but uh, well, I mean you you, you sort, of, but n- not officially, not not to go in and, and and hop in a locomotive and have to drive the damn thing. I mean you, you are if it oh, breaks. I don't know. We used to have we used to have an expression uh, when someone would do something very casually that uh, this was the kind of crap that ruins Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, I you know to a certain extent, a, a client can call me on a on a Sunday morning, you know, So yeah, am I? Am I on, but it, it's it's not. I can't imagine working for Pullman as a welder, and all of a sudden you're going to a ball game on Saturday, and you get a call saying come in at weld at seven o'clock yeah, that, at night. That, that's different, and yeah. and you know Matt's you know Matt's is uh, in in uh, cybersecurity, and of course if you're in cybersecurity, when there's a breach, you're you're gone call, you're called in. Um, you know, not not sales. <laughs> no, but it's, I think it's being it's being uh, used. It, it appears the technicians to be, yeah. too. So the, I mean, it's it's not the only job. The the thing with railroad is, and 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 the big deal with railroad, especially as the people on the trains, is that they have a 
a limit to the number of hours that they can work consecutively. Now, I don't know if they have a, a, a hours per you know a limit per uh, per week or anything like that, but I know they have a, a problem with consecutive hours. So if you're you know if you're taking a freight across the uh, upper Midwest and uh, and you hit your hours. You stop the train and get off, and they have to drive somebody out there to uh, to get back on and drive. Yep, I, you know, I, I sort of like a truck driver, but, but there's more truck stops than there are, there are train stops. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, but I, I said, but I mean, it's it appears to be at least the the impression from the unions, and this is what Kevin, we've talked about this since we started doing the show together, Maddie and I. This this benefits package, this hospitalization that people are paying per employee is getting so onerous that these firms will do whatever they can to minimize the amount of employees. And this, my, this guy's telling me that all they do is, is they can't wait to have somebody retire or, or get laid off or die or something. They don't replace them. And all of a sudden, they're at absolute bare bones. He said, if it was your 24-7, like you guys are talking about, if there's a problem or a snowstorm or a derailment, and all of a sudden 15 guys got to you know get out, of, get out of the locomotive and you got to get another 15 guys there, he goes, we we can deal with that. He goes, we're perfect. Because but this is this is a an absolute way to have as minimum amount of people as possible because they don't want to pay the benefits package. And I, I got to believe that there's a serious amount of truth in that. But you know, yeah. And and, and, and there's some I, point. I, I think you know. I think so. It, it, you know, look. Um, it, it, in general, um, poor salary. You know, uh, being underpaid. Uh, annoys the uh, daylights out of people, but it's not w- w- when you are well paid. That doesn't mean oh everything's great and I'm very very happy with my job. You 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 get paid well. You think you have it coming. You believe you have it coming, and it kind of drops off the list. Uh, this is by what by the way called the Hertzberg two factor theory, um, and uh, uh, so salary is not on the satisfaction list. It's just on the dissatisfaction list. On the other hand, working conditions are on both the satisfact, uh, satisfier list and the dissatisfier list. Working conditions are a you know a big deal. They're a, a big deal when they're great uh, in in keeping people happy, and uh, and probably cut a lot more slack on on salary and uh, and overall compensation. But um, but it's really the uh, you know poor working conditions that are going to set people off like crazy. Well, if you're if you're making eighty grand a year and you think you're worth eighty five, you know, that's a conversation I guess. But if you're if every day you don't mind going to work and you like the people around you and you like your job, you're not gonna jump into some hellhole for five grand, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean if it, if it's one fifty, maybe, but even then you're not gonna want to be in a hellhole. Hey, I got a question for you, uh sports yeah, or the or the other way to, to look at it is you look at management and say you're gonna jump in a they're they're you know, five grand, do the math, five grand divided by um you know, however, uh, fifty-two weeks. So uh, what? Uh, a few hundred bucks a week, less taxes. Yeah. They said they love working for you. They absolutely love working for you, but they're dumping you for that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, so. if I, I don't know if I'd buy that. No. Hey, I got a, a sports question for you, Mavens. First of all, the, the Matt said, "Tell, tell Kevin what you said about the game last night, man. The Cub game." Yeah, the Cubs uh, went to New York and upset Jacob Degrom on the road behind a uh, journeyman pitcher, uh, Sampson, of their own. And I guess going into the game, they were plus 380 for a regular season Major League Baseball game, which 
uh, was either the biggest or one of the biggest upsets in the entire season uh, <laughs> last night. The Cubs winning on the road and beating DeGrom and the Mets. How much action is on a game like that? Um, a huge favorite game like that? I can't imagine there was a lot. I mean, why would anyone want to risk? You're probably not going to bet the Cubs, and if you do, you're putting small money on it because it's, it's, it's uh, plus 380. It's unlikely. And you're probably definitely not going to lay that kind of wood on the Mets. Put up 380 bucks just to win 100. Yeah. So I, I bet there wasn't a ton of action on it. But if you were, you know, if you believed in the Cubs and you put a hundred bucks on and and uh, got, f- you know, three eighty, uh, you won three eighty. So you get f- your hundred back and then plus three eighty. That's that's a pretty sweet night. I have a, a nice little payoff. But this, you're right. It's the kind of bet like uh, what Joel says. Don't you know? Don't give fourteen points in a football game. Yep. Um, because you, you you know you can have a late score. You can have all kinds of things um, that upset. You know uh, that, and when you're talking about a, mis- a theoretical mismatch like that, um, then you know you're really looking at. Uh, um, uh, what I want to say you're, you're really looking at uh, you know a, a very strong likelihood that no matter how many points you give or how many runs you give the Cubs, they're they're going to get blown out anyway. They uh, brief. I've, I've told before. You've heard of Kevin my my Vegas story about the guy with the. Uh, I'm playing blackjack, minding my own business, in Caesars. And there's this guy, and it's, I mean, literally nervous as a long tarot cat in a room full of rocking chairs, right? And he, and he's sitting there, and he's going to the men's room. We're holding the game up for him, and the, the dealer, some very attractive lady, very pleasant. I said, what's the deal, what's the deal with your buddy? And she goes, well, you know that, that uh, pay five bucks and bet ten teams? Like, is that, I guess you call that a parley, right, Manny? Yeah. And, uh, and uh I think it paid, you know, 250 grand or some number, 150, 200, big, big number. And uh, she goes, he's got the first eight in. I go, really? <laughs> well, now, if he had nine in and he had any, any buddies or he could borrow or get uh, extract from his credit card, obviously you'd put, if you get the same odds, I don't get the wrong, different odds, if you get the same odds, you're going to put 50 grand on the other team, right? If the game is is at a later time, yeah. If they're all playing at the same time, it's hard. Well, to but do he that, had but two. I'm saying if he had one, but even if you have two left, you could do that. You can uh, hedge. Sort of. It it's would harder. be. It would be much harder, but you yeah. can still do it. So <laughs> the first game, he's got like Oklahoma or something, and they come in swimmingly for him. So of course, the second game, he's got the Irish and Air Force, and the Irish are uh, like thirty point favorites or some crap, and the, <laughs> the Irish win. Uh, like thirty-four to seven, <laughs> the guy, the guy gets screwed by the three points. So, me being the knothead that I am, I walk down to the cashier in Caesars and I go, uh, you know that five-hour bet where you guys pay, you know, a hundred grand or whatever it was. I said, how often, how many times a year do you pay off? And the guy goes, we've been doing this for five years. We've never paid it off. We've never had a winner. But I guess you know what's two to the tenth power is a lot. I mean, what are the chances of that? Picking ten games, uh, picking five games correctly against the spread is really really hard to do picking 10 is almost impossible yeah i mean uh well what, what's two to the 10th power i want to go there four eight 16 now if you're yeah. picking money lines just just picking the winner and taking the spread out of it that is still really hard to do but that that's much easier obviously than than picking against the spread yeah i would think so but i have a question for you guys within this this world of college football which is Staggeringly shocking everybody, but I guess it probably shouldn't if you think about it enough, as it's turned into essentially a, a pro deal where people are going back and forth all over the place. By the way, our buddy Dave Murphy was right about Southern Cal. Huh, Kevin, look how much better they are with like ten transfers. 
but clearly the well, Irish. Yeah, and 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 a lot of uh, um, what, what I want to say a, a, a whole a, a much better coach. <laughs> well, that that too, but uh, but the uh, the idea of uh, my my question to you guys is: all these people are transferring back and forth, and I, I think the story is. Now you can transfer one time without sitting out a year. The second time you have to sit out a year or something. That's how it stands yeah. right now. Yeah. And now you got grad students that can go, and if they have a year of eligibility left, now do they? Anybody who's graduating now, do they still have the COVID year? So they actually everybody gets five. I think so. Yeah, everybody who wants the extra year um, that played uh, COVID year can do it. If your if your school shut down its program, they don't get it. Okay, so my my question is. So say the Irish, who looked to me like they didn't have much of a quarterback anyway, but now the guy's hurt, so I feel sorry for him. Now they got nobody. Now my question: what, what if, what if a guy like me or Maddie? Let's say Maddie's better at this than me. What if Maddie played three years for some place, was a pretty decent quarterback, and said, "I've had enough," and now he's going to Indiana Business School? Can the Irish call him up and say, "Hey, Maddie, <laughs> you, you, what, do you, what do you think about not playing football?" Well, I kind of miss it. Well, you know, we can have you in the Notre Dame business program for one course, and you can start next Saturday if you want to come up here and start for Notre Dame. Can he come? Uh, you know where you know where I think he'd have a hard time uh, pulling it off is uh, is can he start a semester this late a- academically? What's the difference if he's in a if he's in a business school and he's got two uh, alternative uh, whatever study on your own classes? Nobody cares how many hours you take in grad school, do they? It may not, but you're 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 definitely wagging the dog here. So, um, but but it's not like that never happens. Uh, but my point is, can you really enroll somebody? Does the school have you know rules? Because you 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 can't just go undo your own rules like that. I, I don't think that would pass muster for eligibility purposes in the NCAA's eyes. But how how many good quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks that you want? Are going to be sitting around uh, uh, waiting for uh, uh, you know going to grad school instead of uh, trying to play professionally. Uh, you know how many how many do you want that are going to be like that? You know. Well, the, in, uh, in the in the movie, good. They're at least on a practice squad somewhere. Well, in the movie Necessary Roughness, they had the the, the big black guy teaching math, and he and the, he had a year of eligibility left. They put him back out of tackle. Remember? He was on a faculty. Well, that was a movie, Tom. All right. I'm just saying. I'm trying to figure out how far you, these guys you, are. You mentioned Buckner. I, I, I don't know if you saw. I, I texted this to the group. Buckner was 13 out of 16 on play action passes. He was 15 out of 34 on the all other throws, the dropbacks. And, and well, what, he's, he, he reminds uh, so, me. So, what's the moral of the story? Don't call twice as many all, all others when you're very effective doing play action. <laughs> I think it has more to do with he has a, an arm for the middle of the field, not the side. Well, I also think it has something to do with the fact that the offensive line hasn't blocked very well. Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, um, the uh, running backs, Notre Dame's running backs, have been hit at or behind the line on 64% of their carries. This hence year. hence the, my distaste for the running game out of the shotgun. Oh, yeah, I, I don't like it either. Um because, yeah, you, uh, you, you, take, you need a couple of steps just to get going forward. Well, okay, and, but you uh, got, I'm, I'm thinking it would be somewhat of a... And that's after you get the ball. I so, think it would be somewhat uh, of a... Yeah, it, it's, it gives uh, a lot. You know, even even go pistol, it's better, so that the guy's at least behind the quarterback. I would... Uh, so my, my question, I guess, is, is we're, we're, we're pontificating on these rules. 
I guess the question is, when is the cutoff? Is it a day before the play starts? Is there? I, I think somebody right now, Kevin. I think somebody could pull that off and say, uh, "We've got two professors at Notre Dame, and he's in two business classes, and they all say that he's only been in class a week and a half, and he can catch up, and we're fine with it." I mean, I guess is there a rule? Yeah, but it's not a week and a half, Tom. We're we're four weeks in. Uh, I thought they start. Well, they start what a week before Labor Day class. Yeah. Okay, but I. I Okay, I know so exactly where we are because I'm four weeks in. Well, I, well I'm, going, I'm showing my age. We used to start the day after Labor Day. Obviously, they don't anymore. Uh, if, uh, some schools are on quarters. Well, we weren't. And, and schools that are on quarters probably haven't started yet. Well, anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is there a rule? <laughs> I mean, we all know what we think it ought to be, but it seems like everybody's pushing the envelope here, and who's the, who's the police? Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Marshall. They they ended up they got their quarterback off the grad scrap heap, right? He's better than anybody we have. Yeah, hell, Notre Dame was a grad transfer last year, Jack Cohen. Yeah. So I mean, you, you, I mean, our, our guys are right tonight. We, we we need a quarterback. We better play this freshman. No, we don't. We got to go get a guy next year. That's what else is doing. We we need two t- guards and we need a quarterback. Let's go get them. I mean, if if you want to play well, in the cesspool, it, it, look if you if you can get a young guy that can come in and will start for you for three years or even two years, um, you know that that's ideal. So you know you can't uh, transfers are are part of the game now, more a part of the game than ever before, and they're important. But you, it's also important to recruit well and. You know, the the thing is, you know, we've seen many more transfers in basketball. I'm, I'm just speaking from the Notre Dame perspective at the moment, but we've seen many more transfers in basketball. On the women's side, they've had like three or four every year now for the last I don't know how many years. Uh, on the on the men's side, they have, uh, what, three on the, uh, on the team right now, I think. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it does become... A very important thing. Cormac Ryan is like a, a team leader on their team now. Uh, so you, you run into all of this kind of stuff, and I, I you know, I, I think it's it's manageable, but it's it's not necessarily the the answer. It's not the big answer because it's it's just you know you're you're it's like free agency in in uh, major league sports. So, uh, you know, where, when you have Caps, you know, it's, it's different if you're the Dodgers. You can just sign anybody you want. But uh, but areas where you have uh, salary caps, you are filling in the blanks with free agents, but you can't build a whole team with free agents. Well, when you when you mentioned that uh, back when when you know Pete Pete lived in Chicago for a while, Pete Nigerian, when I, I mean you learn I learned a lot from Pete because he was in the game really a lot more than John was. He was five years. He retired and. Uh, he and Beldo were over at the club one day. My buddy Dick Belden, I haven't seen since the COVID, but I miss him a lot. <laughs> anyway, uh, for a lot of reasons, the guy knew everything about sports that nobody else even cared about. But the Pete said one of the biggest rule changes ever, which you know you and I and Maddie probably wouldn't even have thought about, was somewhere along the line. This has to be 15 years ago. They said you cannot recruit a kid out of junior college unless he graduated. Because no, none of those guys used to graduate. O.J. Simpson never graduated from. Uh, oh, he used, they used to go uh, for one year. But when they, yeah, when they uh, created the minimum standards for uh, um, being eligible to play, 
which was, you know, minimum uh, SAT or ACT score, and I don't know if they ever put a, a college curriculum, you know, college prep curriculum in place, but... Uh, Actually, they did, for, they, after a while, they because... They did that, yeah. and the, the way around it was to go play a year at a community college, and then... Uh, um, and then uh, come on in. And if you weren't going to play much as a freshman anyway, who cared? Well, O.J., was sec- his second year, he was running track for, for Southern Cal. He never, he never finished. I think he ever graduated from was high school. Maybe he didn't even do that. But anyway, what I'm saying is, Pete said there were schools, I believe there were Montana State, Utah State, and there might have been a couple others, that never recruited a high school kid and never wanted any part of it. They just got JV transfers. I, I'm thinking that there's going to be some schools now, and I'm not accusing Marshall of this, cause, but I'm going to say there's going to be some schools, Kevin, that were, are, will be totally relieved of the burden and sit in some high school kid's living room telling his mother and father, how you, you got to have the kid, he's going to save the school and how great he is. I, there's people absolutely that hate that, and there's going to be schools that don't do any of that, or, or very minimal of that now. And I, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say I blame them either, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, I don't blame anybody, but, you know, uh, there, there are, in, we again, use basketball as the model because they've been, uh, they've had more transfers for a longer period of time. And in, in the world of basketball, uh, there are schools that completely thrive on, uh, uh, get you know, bringing guys back home. So, you know, Illinois, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, uh, you know, some, some of those kinds of programs, um, always have two or three players who played high school ball in that area and then come uh, you know they, they go off to a, a Big Ten school or an SEC school or something like that and it, it looks like it's not going to happen for them and they come back and they're you know if they're in the Horizon League then, uh, then they do really really well in the Horizon League um, but it is, you know there is a uh, transfer back home uh, type of mentality and then you're also seeing you know, a lot, a whole lot of uh, teams doing like what Notre Dame did. They needed, you know, they they lost their uh, uh, their first two point guards, Prentice Hubbard uh, graduation, and um, and uh, Blake Wesley to the NBA. So, what are they doing? Uh, they, you know, they have uh, a very very highly rated freshman point guard coming in, but they still need. Uh, you know, a second one on the team. I don't know which one's going to start at the beginning of the season, but I assume J.J. Starling will start eventually. But the the, the point I'm making is that uh, Marcus, um, uh, Marcus, uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, it's not Freeman. He's the coach. Um, but uh, um, uh, uh, Marcus Hammond is from Niagara. You know, if you if you need to bring a uh, backup point guard into an ACC program, Niagara is just about the right level of basketball to go get somebody who is anxious to prove himself against a higher level of competition. S&P futures up six now only. Nasdaq futures only up only up twelve. So our, our meager rally here is fading. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 5, NASDAQ Futures up uh, 10. Uh, the December, we're, we're, uh, I think we're rolling over today to the, to the December. Right now they're both trading. I think, well, whatever. I'm, I'm giving you the, the December numbers because uh, as the September future is uh, rolling off. Uh, Dow's up 43, Dow Futures. Over in Europe, we've got, uh, these guys didn't go down as much as we did yesterday. Because we went further after they closed. Uh, DAX down 94.7%, FTSE down 85, 1.2%, CAC around down 42.7%. Over in Asia, um, ouch, Nikkei down 796, almost 3%. Shanghai down 26, that's only 0.8%. Get a look at this, Hang Seng down under 19,000 now, 18,847, it's down 479, it's 2.5%. Uh, yesterday, uh, don't be drinking your coffee if you haven't heard these numbers. Uh, Dow Jones down 1300, well, 1276, it's almost 4%. 
S&P down 177, that's over 4%. Uh, NASDAQ down 632, that's uh, 5.2%. Those are huge, huge moves. Uh, bonds, 10-year up, 3 basis points, 3.45. The Bund up 4 basis points, 1.76. Japan up 1 basis point, almost to 2.26, We've got oil uh, down a penny, 87.30. Brent unchanged, 93.17. Natural gas up 12 cents, 8.40. Our Bob unchanged at 2.47. We've got gold. Down 4.30, We don't even like gold in this uh, in this mess. Silver down two cents, eight nineteen forty-seven. Copper down three cents, three fifty-one. Got Bitcoin, which got whacked yesterday, almost back down to the twenty thousand number from uh, twenty-two-five, whatever it was. It's twenty thousand two ninety-six today, up forty-six cents, forty-six dollars. Sorry. We have the dollar, which was all over the place yesterday. Um, today it's. Uh, the euro is again under one dollar after making it to 102 the other day. This thing's been pretty volatile. I mean, it's part of the reason why the market's gone up and down. The dollar is flying back and forth, and the euro is as the central banks keep jacking on these interest rates. Matty, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports. Coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have what, one crash in the area as we take a look at our Chicago expressways on a Wednesday morning. It's on the tri-state northbound just before LaGrange Road, and that's causing some uh, stop-and-go traffic. So expect delays on the uh, I-294 tri-state as that crash is blocking the left lane on the northbound side just before LaGrange. No issues if you're coming in on the Edens or Kennedy, just uh, normal traffic volumes for this hour. Same for the Eisenhower. Stevenson starting to build around Cicero. We're also seeing some red on the Ryan. I-57 and the Bishop Ford, but no accidents to report. Only other crash in the area is up in the northern suburbs. Rand Road, uh, which is Highway 12 at Old McHenry Road, there is a vehicle fire with crews on the scene that's causing some delays. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, a very uh, pleasant uh, mid-September day today. Sunshine with a high of 74. Right now it is mostly cloudy and 62 going up to a sunny 74 today. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 95. Right now it's clear and 79. In sports, White Sox doubled up the Rockies last night uh, behind a three-run home run from Eloy Jimenez, uh, beating Colorado 4-2. Unfortunately, Cleveland won as well, so the Sox remain three games back with 20 games to play. Sox are actually four back in the loss column, so still have their work cut out for them with just 20 to go. Not looking great, uh, but keep winning, see what happens. Cubs uh, won, surprisingly, upsetting uh, Jacob deGrom last night and the Mets in New York 4-1. Diamondbacks were shut out by the Dodgers 4-0. Chief. Um, I know we always joust a little bit about these these issues. Um, for whatever reason, uh, I was at the Triple E uh, a couple times in the last three days, and they have the three games going up there, which obviously you don't have at home. Every place I look, guys, there is nobody in the stands. There was nobody at the Mets game the last two nights. The the uh, the, the somebody was playing uh, somebody was playing somebody at Kansas City. There was nobody there. I mean, there, there was like three games, and, and Boston was playing Tampa, and Tampa's got a really good team, and there's nobody. I mean, I mean we're talking two, three thousand people. I mean, what is going on? Well, there's never anybody in Tampa. Okay. So <laughs> we'll hold that separate. But, yeah, the announcers commented on that last night, too. They said it was really surprising that the crowd was so sparse in New York. They're in a, a pennant race, and uh, Jacob DeGrom is pitching. <laughs> you would think that people would come out for that. But on the other hand, um, you know, attendance on, on night games 
after uh, um, after Labor Day, after school starts, uh, does tend to fall off uh, un- unless you just have a unique situation, like you know, like it was when the Cubs were uh, trying to chase their first championship in over a hundred years. Um, you know, I, I, I think it, it just it gets difficult. You know, you get all this all the family stuff going, and uh, and the family, you know, you're not taking your kids out to the ballpark, but you, you know, you might not be going yourself because you have all kinds of kids' activities too that want to start. Well, if you're if you're school. if you're somebody to get some for business, and since the tax rate's only twenty one percent, the idea that it's a write off is is sort of ignorant as well. But one of my buddies split some. I think they have four. And he had the four for some doubleheader a week ago. He couldn't find anybody with him in the first game, so he goes by himself. There's a couple of beers, so I, I call him. I said, what are you up to? And he goes, well, I went to the first game. I'm home. I'm supposed to go to the second game. It's one of those where they kick you out and you got to go back. He goes, screw it. Let's, let's go for a beer at the triple. He goes, I'm not going. Sit by myself. I mean, he couldn't have anybody even go with him for free. I mean, it's a... Uh, are they degrading as fast as I hope they're not? Because obviously I love baseball, but it, it looks like I'm, I have the attendance up here. It looks like 16 of the 30 teams are going to draw two million plus this year. Now, I don't know if that's good or bad historically, uh, but 16 of the 30 will draw two million plus. It it looks like uh, two of the 30, the Dodgers and the Cardinals, will draw three million. The Yankees are going to be right up against that, and so are the Braves. Uh, they're going to be close to three million. The Mets are sixth in attendance. They average just under 34,000 fans a game. Um, they're going to draw about 2.4 million uh, for the season. Uh, like I said, I don't know if that's good historically or bad. I assume that's, uh, that's good or average. Um, but th- this is obviously tickets sold versus people. Yeah, the most guarded numbers in sports are the no-shows in baseball. White Sox are 17th. Uh, they average 24.5 a night. They'll draw right at 2 million or just a little below. The Cubs are 9th in attendance despite having one of the worst records. Uh, they're averaging 32.5. Uh, they're going to draw about 2.5 million. Well, what, were they, what do you suppose they announced last night at, in New York? 35? There was 5? Well, they averaged 33. I doubt they announced 35 last night. Um, but and there was probably the lower bowl was probably two thirds full. The upper deck was pretty much empty, so they probably had about what fifteen there last night. Um, I'll look and see what they announced. Well, yeah, it's a but last comment on what we were just saying. I want to go through some of these prices here on this PPI, but or C, because we're going to get the PPI here in a half hour. Um, one of my uh, well, one of Audrey's best friend, or she got a bunch of best friends, but her her uh, niece played volleyball. I think at Maris or someplace. And uh, she had a shoulder problem, anyway, so she's not playing volleyball anymore. But so this lady takes her and her her her, her best buddy out for lunch and shopping. You know the the the, la- the things ladies like to do. And one, one girl's got a, a scholarship to someplace. And she says to Audrey's friend, "Well, you know, if I'm not starting, I'm out of there." <laughs> and she says, "You're not even there yet. You're already leaving." <laughs> it's I, I can't even imagine in our in our day, Kevin, one of us getting a scholarship to some place we really wanted to go and. If we weren't starting as a freshman, we're just packing our bags and going. I mean, I, I guess it happened, but I think these these kids, if they all think there's, I mean, I think I think in some ways the uh, the girls' teams are worse. I mean, if they're not playing, they're, oh. they're out of there. Uh, for basketball, especially, yeah, um, I, I, it, it's it's amazing in women's basketball the number of transfers that are out there, big name transfers. And uh, if you were to, uh, again, I, you know, my point of reference is Notre Dame because I know it. 
team, and they're all going to play. Uh, ones from you know some uh, some of them are grad transfers. So you know Jenna Brown from Stanford, and I'm looking at uh, Kylie, Kylie Watson from Oregon, uh, and Lauren Ebo from Texas. But Lauren Ebo went to Penn State first, then to Texas, and now she's spending her transfer year at Notre Dame. Uh, and it's only Watson from Oregon is the only one that's not you know that's an underclassman. The rest are uh, grad transfers. And so you know I, I think what you see there is a lot more grad transfers because there is a, a real limitation on your professional options unless you want to go overseas. Uh, and, and that's really where the money is anyway. But, the, you know, it's a, it, the WNBA is a small league and it doesn't pay that much. So I, I think more of the women are willing to use their eligibility and therefore you see more grad transfers there. I think uh, I'm going to go as light as I possibly can on this. Uh, I think some of the ladies' teams have others, other issues as well. Just, I'll just lob that one out there. But, uh, oh, no, I, I know what you're saying. There's, uh, um, you know, we, we deal with it full on. Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes, you know, um, it, uh, it's, there, there tend to be, um, I know where you're going. There, there are some programs that are known to be friendlier to gay women than others. Let's put it that way. Um, and, and it's not an unfriendliness, it's just that where can you fit? Yeah. You know, where do you fit? Where do you feel part of the team? And, and I get that. You know, if, if, that's, if that's your reasoning and you, know, you're, you're, uh, um, and, and you want to go someplace where, uh, where, where you're considered much, you know, much more typical, I, I can't blame somebody for one. No, I can't either. Um, By the way, the announced attendance for the Mets game last night, 80-degree night, um, independent race, Jacob deGrom. 26,435 was the announced, and um, I, I bet there was 15 there. Yeah, I was going to say 15, 17, something like that yeah. in, the, in the stands. But yeah, that sounds about right. 26,435 paid, which is well below their average, but it's, a like Kevin said, a Tuesday night after school has started. Well, I've, I've seen a couple of them the other nights. Well, when the Sox were playing Oakland, there's no, nobody there. I mean, I, mean, I, I think literally there was 1,500 people. How do you, how do you so Oakland's another place where they struggle to get attendance when they're good, let alone yeah. when they're not. Yeah, Oakland, uh, and there's there's talks. There's been talks for a long time about them moving. They are the worst in all the MLB in attendance. They average 10,000 a game, 10,006 people a game, paid attendance. They're going to draw a total of about 750,000 for the year. Well, well, I mean, I, I know I went to... Them in Miami are so much worse than everywhere else. Well, the night I went to see the Cubs play, I went two nights in a row actually in Washington, and it was a beautiful night. And uh, this is... Washington was pretty good, and so were the Cubs that, that, that year. And I tell you what, the scenery in that place had nothing to do with baseball. Every lobbyist must give his tickets to the best-looking woman he can find or something. But all those, all those seats are owned by, like, lobbyists. In the, between the... Certainly from the dugout in, on the, on the bottom... And the skyboxes were they were fighting for them when they hit the place because every every lobbyist firm has to have a skybox. I think when all of a sudden they they fall out and nobody wants to go, there's there's nobody anywhere. You can they can't give them away. It's it's just weird. Um, anyway, Kevin, the numbers that came out yesterday, I mean, as everybody's been taking them apart, I mean, I think it it just shows the the fixation that people have, and I, and I don't I don't get it. I mean, uh, well, obviously, I. We'll put it this way. I should get it more than most because i got a 42-gallon tank in my sub- Suburban. But um, everybody just zeroes in on this gasoline, and it's just not. I mean, I, obviously, if you, if you spend... Well, I see, I don't see people zeroing in on the gasoline this time around, though, uh, because gas prices are down, and that's suppressed the inflation number. But, uh, you know, 
report after report that I've seen says uh, reminds us that food prices, you know, all of the other core items are up. Uh, all the other important items are up. Well, here, I, I'll give you those exact numbers here, but uh, uh, food was up. Well, let me find food, the top line on food. There's one line here that I, it's been up all year, and I can't quite can't quite figure out. Uh, food at home is up 13.5% over the year. That's a lot. Now, I think it, obviously it's, it's more than that, but wherever you want to. Some of the stuff, though, I mean, cereals, 16, uh, flour and prepared uh, mixes, 23%. I mean, some of the stuff is, just, I mean, it's, it's, it's really up there. I mean, it's not, we're not even talking, these are all double digits, everything down the line here. Meat is actually not as bad as all the other stuff, flour and everything. Um, but, you know, p- pork. No, because meat jumped up uh, a longer time ago. I mean, you know, <laughs> ribeyes have been pretty damned expensive for a long time. Well, here you go. Frankfurters and, uh, and lunch meat are all 18%. Chicken, 16 uh, Fresh and frozen chicken parts. There you go, 18%. Parts is parts. Yeah, parts is parts. So, so gas is down six. A- eggs are up thirty nine percent. That I can verify because I buy a, a case of them for the office of the depot. It's uh, gone from uh, probably uh, eighteen dollars for a case to thirty two. So yeah, that's right. The whole milk sixteen, cheese uh, sixteen, dairy products twenty. Anyway, it's up. It's up the line here. But I don't know how, how can I kind of quantify this, Kevin. If, if you, we all know that you can only spend money once, right? So if if I go to the Myers. And I w- and I got I got a hundred bucks in my pocket, and I put an extra twenty in the tank. Well, better I better more than a hundred if I'm going to fill the tank up. So I put an extra twenty in the tank. When I go into the store, guess what? I got to buy twenty bucks less, right? Or else I got to take it out of savings, or I got to put it on a credit card. I got to do something. I mean, been, this is this is simple math, and it's 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 bad. You know, it, it's not good because you end up somebody else. You don't get to buy their stuff. You maybe would like to buy, and now that guy. Has a bad day because I didn't buy his products. But it, it, that's the beauty of the economic system, and the, and the bad part of it. It all shifts around. Twenty bucks in the tank. It's either going to be a beer less someplace. It's going to be uh, I'll screw that ice cream for dessert. We don't need any dessert. It, it's going to go someplace. Or if I happen to have some wealth, it's twenty bucks less than the savings account that month, or, or twenty bucks less I put in the stock market. It's going to go someplace. You know, all just spins around. But I think the, the dangerous part is, and this is the stuff I mean, I've learned from not just the, 80, the 80s fiasco, but the 2007, 2008, and the stock market. I focus in on stock prices, the prices of fixed assets. I mean, I know that if you put $200 in the tank the last three months that you didn't want to, it costs you, know, you, you and the wife or the girlfriend two nights out or something, or a night out at a real nice place. I get it. And you, and you screwed a guy that you would have gone and paid the money at his restaurant or whatever. But the huge danger is having this stuff that people borrow money for. I mean, it's one thing to, to buy IBM, you know, from where the hell's it trading after yesterday, uh, at 127.61, up 36 cents this morning. It's one thing to buy IBM with your, with your money and have it go down. It's quite another to, mar- to, uh, to margin it. Housing, you, you can't let housing blow up to a number to where most people can't afford it. Because I won't say if it comes down, when it comes down, you've got a real problem. Because if somebody puts 20% down on a, on a $400,000 house, or 15%, say, that's probably your entire wealth, the sixty grand you plunked on this place. So now all of a sudden, if it's, if it's wrong and it comes back down and it's <clears throat> 340 
you just strip the entire wealth out of some poor couple, right? Because of the leverage. If it goes down 80, the bank's out 20 as well, or maybe the people just live there forever and it goes back up to 400, whatever. Or the, you know, and maybe if you never have to sell it, you never feel the pain. But, Kevin, you, you cannot let that happen, and we have. What, why are people... Well, and, and what did we see um, in 2009 when, uh, when people's home values? It was, it was in part because there were a lot of balloons coming due, you know, a lot, uh, a lot of uh, no-down payment loans that were you know, five-year balloons or three-year balloons coming due. But it was also in part that so many people owed way more on their houses than the houses were worth because there was so much inventory thrown onto the market as everybody had to bail out. You know, if, if you were the first one with a five-year balloon to get out of the market because, uh, um, because the refinance rates were too high and, or, or you were laid off and you sold your house, okay, you got out of it. But if you were in the middle of the pack or later uh, with all yep. that inventory on the market, you couldn't sell your house for, uh, for the mortgage value. And that was, you know, was the big killer there. And that's what you worry about this time around, too, is uh, it, it isn't, you know, it's, it's the price of the home, yes, but that, that's going to fall when a lot of people are out of work and now, you know, they, they can't afford to keep the house and, and so we start seeing a lot more inventory sales. And I think we're, we, haven't, we haven't gotten to that bad part of it yet. Well, my, I, I, and, and I say yet you know, on purpose because I do think it's coming. What you what you said is uh, absolutely true, and it is the clear the clear party line when people explain what happened in two thousand seven two thousand eight. And yet, I'm going to push back reasonably strongly and say, even though those were those were the mortgages that everybody hears about, those are the ones that are in the news. I'm going to say that seventy percent, and I don't know what this number is, but the majority. <coughs> maybe even the vast majority of those homes for regular people for people like where Audrey was selling them and and Nancy was getting their mortgage regular people were putting 20% down that they either got for their parents or they worked for or they saved and in 6 months the 20% was gone and even though that didn't affect quote the system or the bank or whatever it affects people in a dramatic way almost like the depression where People stole your ceiling, your savings because the bank door was shut. We we stripped yeah, away. No, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think. I don't even think we're contradicting each other. No, but I mean, um, they, but nobody ever I, mentions I, that. I think, yeah, but but what you know, all, all I'm saying is that there were enough people that were because because if you had you know a, a, a standard thirty year mortgage and you could weather the storm, yeah, you were underwater for a while, but you know what? Eventually, that yeah that came back too. Right. Um, and. So if you could afford it, you know, if uh, you had two working people and they both kept their jobs and uh, throughout and and everything was okay, you could weather the storm. You may not have liked that your uh, your equity was all gone because that was your life savings, but you could you didn't lose the home and uh, and and eventually uh, eventually it got better. But and and that you know is is one version of tragedy. But the real tragedy is that so many people. Had these, uh, uh, um, you know, here this is affordable. We can get you into a house. They had those kind of mortgages foisted upon them, and uh, and only to find out that there was a day of reckoning when they had to come back and refi it. And that was, and, and if you had to refi, you know, and and you were out of work, which a lot of people were out of work, um, 
you know, it just started cascading through the system. Right, but the person who... That's why the people who had the conventional mortgage and, you know, and were able to still pay, but that's why the, all of their life savings was eaten up, is because there were so many other mortgages and so many other homes that had to go on the market because people couldn't afford to keep them. Well, I, I think that's, that's a, a good part of it, but the... The big, the biggest part, and that's why I look at it right now. It's the exact same thing, only worse actually. Is I remember having this discussion with Audrey at the time, and I, I'm sure I didn't win this argument. Uh, I said, "Odd." So, so that what leaves you at what, like oh, oh, and one hundred and seventy. Pretty much, pretty, maybe, even though, even <laughs> even though you think you you might have made the better points, it just I don't know. But you, you, you never, care of the Washington generals, Tom. Yeah, I know. I did without a doubt. Them. Even they won once in a while. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I, I just said, "Odd, oh, there's a problem here that, that at the current price, 85 percent of the population can't afford the median price of a house, and and, and all the other stuff you're talking about, whether you got in them, how you got in them, what your what your stuff was, but the big the big issue is the median price couldn't was not affordable by the median person, and we are so far beyond that right now. We're we're way worse than 2008. Now I don't think the I don't think the leverage is there, and I hope we're not going to have the layoffs to the point where if people can actually live there for 20 years, it turns out to not be a problem. But if God help you, if you if you or your wife gets laid off and you got to move to Tulsa and you got to sell the place, there goes your down payment, and you're what are you renting in Tulsa? Maybe. I mean, that, well, yeah, and and that you know that was part of the equation uh, back in 2009 as well. Yeah. Where, uh, you know there there was work available because there was such an oil boom in in some of the other states, but if you had a home you couldn't sell. That made it pretty darn hard to move. Oh yeah, I yeah, matter of fact, somebody I was talking to somebody the other day, or somebody called me about their friend of theirs. The company wants them to move, and they're gonna. They said, "Just sell the house; we'll make up the difference." They like just bought it. That's, that's a nice, nice move from your from your company if they'll do that. Yep. It's uh, but yeah, it, I mean, that's why you know. W- the weird part, though, Kevin, is is, you know, when when you and I talk about the seventies. Even though Maddie, we're, we're dragging Maddie up the age group with his birthday this week. He's not a kid anymore. I don't expect Maddie to remember the seventies because he wasn't here. <laughs> so, I mean, right? So, but a lot of people who were there can't remember. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But it was some of the stuff people were were, were taking anyway. Uh, but I, I don't understand how we how we can't remember two thousand and eight. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, why why are we letting housing prices blow to a point where where people can't afford them? I mean, what, because everybody wanted to get out of the city and buy a house in the suburbs when they shut everything yeah. down in the city. I mean, we're over and nobody f- wants to go back because of the crime rates. Well, yeah, and I, I well, just yeah, I mean, yes, that created a housing bubble. Gee, that never happens. No, that never happens. Um, but yeah, but I don't know what, what are we? In? Well, whatever. We only got a couple of minutes, but I, I'm wondering. I'm trying to get uh, Keith Peacock back on because he's been all over the place talking about the crime and how it's leaking into Orland and blah blah blah. But I don't understand how somebody. I'll be out with a couple of the judge guys tonight, and you know what, Kevin? They're, they're talking. I mean, my guys are saying that the uh, somewhere between the whole mess of the police work and everything else, they're at a point where if they don't have a, a identified video or DNA, they're not even taking people to trial because the, the witnesses are disappearing. And one of my buddies had a big trial last week, and he goes, "I, I said I thought you were supposed to be in court today." He goes, "Well." They, the witness disappeared on the prosecution. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're never going to ask one of these guys if their guy is guilty. I mean, they're not going to tell you, and, and, and I, I'm too polite to ask. 
And he goes, uh, without that witness, they're not going to get a conviction. And I said, well, where is she? Nobody knows. But she probably just left. I mean, I don't know if somebody threatened her or whatever, but she's just gone. She might have moved. So it's not like they, you know, it's not like you and I are going to put it on the calendar and we're going to be there if we say we're going to be there. People aren't reliable, and, and, they, and there's no, nothing that says you have to be there. The, 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 the normal way of convicting people by two people saying, yeah, that's the guy, uh, that's pretty much, that's out of dodge, uh, Kevin and Matt. It's, I mean, if you don't have some camera thing or some DNA, then they don't like to lose. I mean, they don't like going up against a couple of guys I know and losing every week because, you know, the police was was unavailable or the witnesses won't tell I'm not saying it's a policeman's fault, but it's, it's, it's not, you point fingers at all these different people and you, and you name them, it's not that they're, you know, I want to elect them again either, but it's not like it's all their fault. The whole thing is falling apart, it appears to me. And I don't know how you re- reconstruct that either, but uh, anyway. Kevin, uh, any chance for our guys this weekend? Um, yeah, but they better. God. Yeah, they better. Are you going to come over? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking maybe no on that, but uh, I'm probably good right, for well, Thursday. It's a tailgate ticket, so, um, you know, it's, it's there if you want to use it. Is, it. is it in the mail? Yeah, it's in your email. Not, not that kind of mail. I'm looking like a regular ticket. No, oh, it's a, you can you can print it if you want. It's All right. PDF. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. SP Futures down three. So much for the rally. Nasdaq Futures down 17. Be right back. Russell Rose. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom Thomas. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down three. We're starting to get some red on the screen here. Uh, NASDAQ Futures down 12. Do we have uh, Mr. Russell? Yes, I'm here. Um, I understand that... from northern Indiana in the fog. Yeah, I heard that this morning. Hey, uh, when you and your guys get down, your, your big professors and your pipes and your martinis, are you guys miffed that the price of olives is up 19.5% year over year? That, you know, that, that, that's been a real issue at the uh, cocktail parties that we all go to. Yeah. <laughs> it really has been. We've been, we've been having to use onions for our martini. Um, any, any of the stuff in here uh, is, is high. I mean, <laughs> the uh, peanut butter, 16%. Other fats and oils. I, yeah, that, yeah. One's, that, that one's definitely hitting home. That's a staple in the Rhodes household. Oh, God. It's a... Here's one. I don't see how they're getting food away from home. Eight percent. I, I think that's way more. But the one here that's the I think one. I think that one went up faster earlier. Honestly, Maybe because I, I saw that too. What what is it? What is, food at employee sites and schools up twenty four percent. That's uh, that's that's like the Aramark and the Levy and Chicago guys that are um, you know supply and that number just jumped up because it's back to school. I was on a school board, so I kind of I, I'm aware of how uh, the you know the contracts go. Okay, and they've been, they've been having a fact. I'll guarantee that's a back to school number, a seasonal number. Um, Next, <laughs> I got a, I, a couple of things. I, I've been listening because I've been driving. Um, did you guys talk about how many uh, Power Five transfers there are planned for Marshall? Um, we've labbed the number out there. I thought it was. I it was like eight or it's ten. Almost, uh, it's almost all the starters. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, when when they started letting you transfer the NIL and all that kind of stuff, I was like, that it, we're going to end up with three good teams and everybody else is going to suck. But I'm starting to think that it might actually work toward a little parity. Um, I think where, it, I think it does. Know, if you really want to play and you went to Notre Dame and yet you're a junior and you haven't gotten you haven't been on the field yet during a game, that you might say, well, you know, I really want to play before I get too old to play. And go somewhere else. Well, isn't Memphis that, has got a. You know, Memphis benefited a little bit from that as well. Well, your former uh, place, it, it brought Loyola to the Final Four, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, well like Kevin said, it. So that, so that for that, and then you were at, you were talking about the transferring for a graduate student. The, it, it's a funny rule. You can only transfer. Or this is the way it worked. Until unless they changed it recently, but you can only transfer to a graduate program if that graduate program is not offered by the school you were at. I'm going to say, other than like peeing outside, that is the most brazenly ignored rule in the history of the world. Oh, I'm sure it is, but that but that is actually how it's supposed to work. Well, I mean, if somebody uh, somebody switches from there's a tra- and there's a transfer window where you don't have to get approval. I think that window. I know that window is passed for NCAA basketball. Yeah, probably this is. year. So when you brought up, uh, you know, going and finding someone, you can't do it this late. You just can't. Uh, I think you're probably right. I mean, I, I just lobbed yeah. it out there because I'm, I'm, I'm fishing for the rules and who the, who the rules. Well, oh, you, you know, from from my Indianapolis office, when I go to the bathroom, I can see the NCAA headquarters. So I'm going to walk over there today. Okay. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, we're we're seeing a part where I, what I'm seeing is we're we're in uh, we're in the wild west here. We're, there, there, there are no oh, rules. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the thing you were you were um, 
mentioning about the grad students. I mean, when I mean, ten years ago, Russell, somebody transfers from a, a, a grad student from Wisconsin to Illinois. I mean, is is there really a grad program that they don't have at Wisconsin that they that they have in Illinois? I you, you, I totally uh, that's always been a head scratcher for me. Yeah, I mean, and I assu- and I assume there's you know there's some niche that they can throw them into um, that doesn't exist. You know what? You can do financial engineering at, at um, Illinois. You can't do it at Wisconsin. Well, I think the kid from Notre Dame that went to Florida State was in. He ducked into some kind of a hospitality major or something, which they don't have at Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, that's that's one they have. That's one they have at Memphis that they don't have in a lot of places. Uh, and that's because a lot of people don't know this, but Holiday Inns was uh, founded in Memphis. I mean, I, it's been absorbed into another company now, but back in the day, they uh, they gave some money to the school, and there's actually an operating hotel on campus now. It wasn't there when I was there. Um, but you could probably transfer into that one, and that would make a little bit of sense for people that are interested in the sports world. We don't you gotta, have... you got to make reservations and that sort of thing for your team. When I was in uh, in grad school, there was only... One school that had a master's in hospital administration, that was the University of Chicago, and I'm sure everybody does, and there was only one school that had a, a graduate MBA in hotel management, and it was the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Yep. That's, now that everybody's expanded into other stuff. And then finally, i got to say one last thing, then I'll let you talk about anything else that you want. I think the and people, this is not trading advice, but I think the PPI is going to be light. Um, because of the lack of concern out of uh, the White House with respect to yesterday's number. And he even said, he said, I'm not terribly concerned about today's inflation number, which leads me to believe that he's hanging his hat on the second round of inflation numbers today not being as bad. Okay, but we have, we've reported a couple times, uh, you've been on the yeah. day that came out, th- there's... I didn't even know this because I mean it's not something I study all the time. But there's two distinct parts to the PPI. Yeah. Even in the months yeah. where it was even, the goods part, which is actually the smaller piece, the goods part was up like two and a half percent in a month, and the other part, the services part, was actually down a little bit. So the number came on, I'll say dovish. Uh, yeah. Even, but if you looked at the detail. Because the part that flows through to the CPI is the goods part. Yeah. So we've had, if you take the last four or five months on the goods part, there, there shouldn't be any pause there. It should be, it should be getting worse, if anything. So what it essentially was telling you is if you had a law office or if you had a brokerage firm like us, all our costs are going up and our fees aren't, which you didn't have to tell me that, right? <laughs> I, I figured yeah, that out. Your, your margins are getting squeezed. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you know, lawyers can charge whatever they want, whatever anybody's willing to pay. But in general, what it tells you is the guy giving you the haircut isn't raising the haircut price, but the price of everything he buys is going up. Which, which I think most people, just by education, by looking around, would probably say that's what's happening. I don't know how many service people are able to raise their prices. I, I think I, home remodelers. Can because there, there's a short oh, yeah. home. In, <laughs> well, actually, I know some guys I, I, that uh, we're getting advice from their buddies, right? And I, said, I know for a fact. I know for a fact because we just completed a little project at the at Rhodes Manor in West Suburbs. Well, the, and the quote we got two years ago was, uh, "Well, let's just say the final number was fifty percent higher than the original quote from two years ago." 
Well, my my buddy and uh, and you've met him in a building. That's a real number, Jesus. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. My buddy in a building says that uh, all of the advice he's getting from his other tradesman's friend is your your regular customers keep them kind of where they are a little bit higher. People that, that need you just today, screw mm-hmm. them, <laughs> double it, double it, and they'll pay because they can't find anybody else. And it's just, I think that's what's happening. I, uh, well, one of the guys, you you, hey. you know who he is, he, he was trying to get a, a, a steel door, you know, because it goes from his, uh, he's got all those townhouses where the top part's a, a deck, so you got the, the walkway that goes up and there's a door out to the deck. Well, the door's falling apart, so like, steel door, yeah. which I priced for him, it's like 500 bucks, you get a place to make one for you, and of course you get a guy to install it. And uh, these guys came out from like Feldco or somebody, the guy wanted five grand for a door. Yeah. Oh, that's a real number. No, that is a, that is very much of a real number. And everybody, if you're in Chicago, you really do need a steel door these days. Oh yeah, even even if it's on the roof. <laughs> but I mean, I, I people that I know are getting are getting new roofs in, uh, in, in on a nice home. Oh god, seventy, eighty, ninety grand is not is is not out of the picture. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I, uh, I, that, that's a, that's about what I paid for my sister's house in uh, Memphis. The whole house. Well, if you got to replace the roof, it's another ninety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. no. We just put a, it. It's got a tarp on top of it. <laughs> God, um, Look, she she can she gets what she gets, and she doesn't get upset. Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't if you don't know if you don't know the right guy uh, as a roofer, boy, I mean, I mean, some of these, yeah. these new materials are cost a fortune. I mean, they're, they're going to last hopefully forty, fifty years, but uh, you know, they they better for that price. But yeah, it's it's a big deal. I mean, there's a. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of people out where Audrey lives in Orlando was a hailstorm a few years ago, so a bunch of them ended up having to get new roofs. I mean, it just beat the hell out of your if you had a cedar shake or something like that. They're all in yeah. eighty to hundred hundred grand to, to replace the darn things. I'm like, I would have guessed like twenty. I mean, I, I, boy, that's a real number if you're on Social Security. Let's just say. Oh gosh, yeah. So what do you what do you make of the of the box? Well, I was explaining to my lawyer buddies last night. These guys have got, and I've never seen anything like this in the literature I've read, and that's why I'm asking you, Russell. There, there's been inflation everywhere. You know, I mean, when I say yeah. everywhere, there's, there's been there's been inflation in all kinds of, of the, the stuff you read. I mean, there's other countries, and right now it's Turkey, all these other places. You can go read about it, and it's sort of the same song everywhere. Uh, in, in the 70s, it was the same way, but that was that started in 68, and it was like a, well, now you can say it's a 12-year plan, too, with the way hospitalization's been minimized, but Really, I've never seen anything where there was, not even in wartime, except for the Confederacy, where you had a 35-40% price bubble in two and a half years. And it's just there. And even now, if you if you cut back the inflation, which I really believe they have, it takes a while for the numbers to go through and everything and for them to wake up, but I think the actual push on the inflation is probably off. But it, they've got this price bubble. What are they going to do with it? I mean, the guy last, after I explained it last night, the guy goes, well, so what are you going to do about it? And I said... I honestly don't know. I, it's sitting there. It, it, it's just sitting there. It's, just, it's this 35, it's, it's like we gave everybody a 30% you know, stock dividend on their currency, except we didn't give it to everybody. We only gave it to a few people. So now, now it's just sitting there, and you got 70% of the population absolutely getting eviscerated by it. Some people are okay with it if you got pricing power. Now, I don't, where do you, if, if somebody would raise their hand in class and say, Professor, how do we fix this? As much as I think I'm a monetary theorist, Russell, I don't know where to start, honestly. Um, I think we <laughs> the, the, there's two ways to go about it. Um, 
we quickly grow into it, which I, I don't, we just got to get pushed in. And this is why stocks sell off on a number like yesterday. Uh, you got to, to use a, a, a Fed speak term, you got to cool off the economy a little bit, which is going to stink for a lot of individuals. You know, it's just, it, 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 you, it, when you start to cool off the economy, uh, people start to lose their jobs, and you know that. And, and you, know, you, th- you think crime's bad when you can walk in anywhere and start working the next day. Wait until empl- unemployment starts to go back up, and it'll have to. It's just a function of um, what they're going to end up having to do, and they're going to have to slow things down. On, on a macro level, that, that, that's the part of having so much trouble with Russell, and that's what I'm trying to hope you have mm-hmm. the answer. On a macro level, I know you have to do that, okay? Yeah. But on, a, but on, a, if 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 you zero in, on on your on your model citizen, whoever the hell happens to be, the guy making the family making fifty grand a year and the guy making thirty five, on your your median person, you've you've buried him on the way up, and now if you do that, you're going to bury him again on the way down. How much can you bury the guy? Because you know it's going to be just as uneven on the way down as it was on the way up. It is going to be out even on the way. It's going to it's going to show up in pockets. Um, my big, I'll tell you what. My big fear, and, and I'm sure some people thought this when when you were start when you were posing the question, but my big fear is that, and we have a White House that would totally be into this one, uh, is we suddenly get price controls. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, really, I mean, and that is. In a lot of people's minds, a solution. But if we get price control, I, I think price controls that Nixon implemented were part of uh, contributed to the uh, situation in the later seventies. Like uh, it was just another case of pushing things down the road. That was probably the single biggest economic mistake ever made by our government. Yeah, but that, but you know, like you said, nobody remembers the seventies. And you said uh, a lot of people don't remember 2008. Hell, a third of the people in our industry were not out of college yeah. in 2008. So they that that's part of the you know not not having not not having a good historical perspective. Well, but even the price gotta, controls. I've never heard anybody bring this up before. But you got to assume that Nixon implementing price controls in the early 70s just pushed things down the road and made things even worse in the late 70s. Well, and maybe maybe the monetary policy that we've already gone through is the equivalent of that. So hopefully we're at the late 70s and not the early 70s. But well, if, heaven forbid they do anything else that, you know, let, let's pull the freaking Band-Aid off now before it turns gangrene and all that kind of crap. Well, the, the problem you have, well, there's several problems. I was going to ask you about, have you ever, I don't know why you would have, did you ever read into the detail of the price control policy, Nixon's? No, no, I don't know that much about it because I, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm way, way <laughs> distant. I'm way at the back of my head on his m- memory, but uh, it, it wasn't as bad as today in terms of uh, lobbyists all over the place. But it was nowhere near as simple. Russell was saying, "Hey, buddy, you can't raise prices." It was not it at all. There was all these yeah. formulas and all this stuff, and if. If all of a sudden, if it was gasoline and it came from the refinery from you, you could raise it just as much as it, as it got to you. There, there were a lot of people that were carved out of that. It wasn't as simple as saying, gas is a buck. Guess what? Gas is going to be a buck a year from now. It, 
that didn't work at all in there. Everybody who ha- who could possibly get their nose into the bill had a carve out for their industry. Mm-hmm. So it was a total bleep up. Even even a, it wasn't a two thousand page bill, but in those days it was a total bleep up bill like we get now. It's not. In other words, they could walk up to you and say, "Hey, geez, professors, no way on earth you're gonna you get a raise." It it doesn't mean that the tuition couldn't go up because they found the the blankets in the dorm went up money. Or, I mean, you know I'm saying it, it, it absolutely was. Not, it was easy to tell you you can't get a raise, or you could tell the you know the street vendor you, your coffee can't go up. But you you still the people who were in the know were able to do it. So it was a total yeah. it was a total goat bleep in my in my mind. Yeah. So, so I mean, um, and you just mentioned the price of gas. If they do start to float price controls, it'll only be food. Because they, they don't, you know, it, I love the whole conspiracy theory, they, but it's pretty, da- it's pretty damn obvious that Mayor Pete wants us all driving electric cars. And they really don't mind that it's much more expensive to fill up your tank these days. Well, I, I don't disagree, but I, but I mean, how do you how do you separate one from the other? I mean, you look at, uh, like I was just going through here, the price of flour is up like twenty percent or something. Well, well, flour five pounds of flour cost I'm going to say two bucks. Well, you got to transport it. You got to have people handle it two, three exactly. times. It doesn't surprise me that that the five pound thing of flour you got to screw with all the way from the from wherever is up to two forty. Because I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I, so how do you, how do you, so it's, it's not going to be as simple as saying the price of flour can't go over two bucks, because if it is, you're not going to have any flour. Mm-hmm. I mean, if all of a sudden Menards has to charge, only can only charge two bucks for flour, you're not going to have anything to flour out, right? What? Why would you? No, no, I mean, that, that's the, the second step of what sounds really great, we're going to put price controls on food, or, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to help the house, you know. We're going to help all of you individuals in the middle class by making sure groceries don't cost more. Yeah, just just wait till they do something, and and I wouldn't put it past them, but wait till they do something like that, and then you go to uh, the grocery store, and you know the shelves look like Venezuela. Yeah, I think. That- hey, there's another it, I, one I forgot to mention as far as inflation that I thought was really interesting. You know, I was in Australia a couple weeks ago. Um, the, uh, I went to a coffee shop uh, on a Sunday morning and got a coffee, and they had a weekend surcharge at the bottom of it. It was 10% of my really? bill. It was a weekend surcharge. And that was because they, had, cause they couldn't get people to come in and work on the weekend unless they paid them a lot more. Um, I'm going to say that that's the reason they told you. No, I think it is. I, no, I, I, I believe that's what it was, because it's a central business district in Australia. It's kind of like the loop. It's pretty dead in the weekend. I can totally see that weekend surcharge um, going to, because it wasn't on there on Tuesday. And that's how I was doing my expenses, and I looked at one or the other, and I was like, oh, my goodness, and asked about it. And that's exactly what it was. Now, you, uh, this can be done another way. Um, if you say went over to like the Michigan City side, Long Beach, that whole area over there, there's a well. I'm sure I think they probably still do it. There's a a food store called Al's right there, right where everybody mm-hmm. goes. Where all the, all the guys, you know, the, what do they call it? The, the Irish Riviera uh, over there. And uh, if if you go like during on a Tuesday, 
instead of having the weekend surcharge to clip all the people who are there from Chicago that have more money than the regular people, you have a, a weekday discount that gets you to the same place. So take 20% off the price of wine from Monday through Thursday. And what they're basically saying is if you're a native, you buy, you buy it at, at, during the week, and then the weekend when the guy comes down and he's short two bottles of wine and runs up there, you're, you, you screw him. <laughs> same thing, right? <laughs> I mean, is, this is America, Russell. We have imagination as they take these things, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> They're basically yeah. saying if you live in Michigan City, the wine's ten bucks, and if it's and if you if you're from Chicago on the weekend, it's twelve bucks. Go figure. Yeah. And, you know, and why not? No, I got that, that. They, you know, that, that area, and then you, you should be up in Lake Geneva sometime and talk to the locals about how much they love taking our our money and how they have the best high schools in Wisconsin because. Um, all the property taxes they get from everybody living on the lake. Oh yeah, well, same thing. As I yeah. mentioned yesterday, my so, my parents went to Vegas. They, they got they got a love hate with us. They love our money. And they don't want us to be around too much. Well, when my parents used to go to Vegas and they're both alive, they of course always go to church on Sunday morning. They're the only people who found like a Catholic church in Vegas. But uh, so they find the place, and the first thing the pastor says, or the guy giving the, the priest uh, says, that, "By the way." If you got chips in your pocket, if you're out, out of town, we'll take those. <laughs> we'll cash them in for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> goes, we'll, we'll cash them. Don't worry. <laughs> so if you got a twenty-five hour chip, don't 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 feel afraid. <laughs> Wing one in the in the collection. He goes, we'll, we'll we'll do better with it than the, than you will at the casino or something. I said, <laughs> I love oh it. Oh my god, that is fantastic. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, oh, I, how, how do we know the guy didn't go over and like try and double it? You know. Mm-hmm. Just saying, uh, no, no, no strings on that cash. But I, I mean, I, I don't really know what to do if I if I was doing the policy. I, I think I would just, I, I would. Glad I would, it's not me. I, you know, I would, I would just, <laughs> I would flatten it out for a while and hope we could catch up. But you look That's, at, but you look at these. That, you know, um, a mild recession over our economic malaise. I love all these cool yeah. words I get to use today. Um, that probably is the least painful of all the solutions. Well, you have to, you have to, you got, you got to do that sooner rather than later because the longer you put it off, and God knows, ever since I started talking to you, uh, we keep talking about the pain of putting these things off. We're already experiencing some of that. Oh yeah. Uh, you just, you got to let the invisible hand take over for a little while. Well, I, I think you these labor contracts that I'm seeing signed, and we got the real strike. We'll talk about that after the break. Uh, I'm saying yeah. signed is uh, they virtually don't match at all the inflation of the last three years. So you've, you've got to get the increase in inflation where these people are now getting 3 and 4% raises. You need to get the inflation for the next two or three years under that number. So yeah. th- these people can gain, even if it's 1% a year, you, you're, you, gotta, you can gain something. You know what I'm saying? It, it's better than losing. Because we've been losing for I think twenty years, inflation's been higher than wage gains. You got to make sure somehow, even though you can't get it all back at once, Russell. I think if you and I were doing it, we'd, we'd get our, our chalkboard up there. How does that show my age? And we'd say, okay, if we do these things, we can keep inflation down here. And it looks like people are getting three or four percent raises. There is a chance that in five or ten years, people will somewhat catch up. And I, I think that's I think that's what you have to try and do, but. Boy, you got engineered mm-hmm. in such a way, and you have to attack. You have to attack some of these concentrated industries. You've got if you can't figure out a way to stop hospitals from buying another one and doubling the prices of everything, you've got to come up with federal money 
for these care facilities or something where if, if you know if somebody needs a throat culture they don't have to go through an emergency room with 10 grand we got we got to find a way in these areas that are just they're they're just destroying the country with the amount of money they're charging yeah. i mean it's i went through some stuff last week i probably could still find it uh i went back was it wasn't even it was like 12 years ago that the average cost per stay for like a disease which had you know two three days or something i'm not talking about a month is is like the is like the average cost of one night now you can't be having 11 i mean somehow you you got to look i think russell i'm gonna get your opinion after break but you have to look at the stuff that's totally ridiculous that now one night in a hospital is essentially a third of the median salary i mean i mean, I mean really i mean i mean what are you doing i mean and and, and a cost of a, a new car is is one and a quarter times the median salary you you, you got to look at that and say that 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 dog doesn't hunt we we got to fix no. those areas right somehow yeah and i don't know how you do that but you, you don't do it by just Every every combination is beautiful, and we got we, we don't have enough chips. Well, let's just double the price of the cars. Well, they, I don't know. If there's gonna be price controls. It ought to be like there, right? Mm-hmm. Explain. Oh, before we no, go to break, I, I mean, explain to me this: how how is it that the entire world is raising prices and has shortages because of chip supply, and yet every chip company is going down a rat hole and, and they're not making any money? I mean, they don't have the capacity to to keep up. But you would think they, if, if well, that, and I'll tell you, well, and it's, you're, I mean, you're talking about the stock price versus the fundamentals, and the the semiconductors, the semiconductors, the semiconductor fund is how I trade, have been trading the economic cycle my whole career. Yeah, that's an SMH. And, yeah, we got some, we got some people yeah, in there, and then there's a, there's a fidelity fidelity one as well, um, because I get stuck in fidelity with some of the retirement stuff I do. Um, but yeah, whenever I think the economy is bottoming, I totally you know I, I buy semiconductors. And if you think we're going into a recession, regardless of how tight the supply is and everything, you know there's an automatic mentality that you know that those are stocks you do not want to own. And I don't know what SMH did yesterday at all. I know what the market did, but I would not be the least bit surprised if it was off over five percent. Um, we closed yesterday at two o four. That was on nine thirteen. At nine nine twelve, it was two seventeen. So it was down like, math. yeah, it's down, it was down thirteen bucks. So it's a lot, six percent. Yep. Yeah. But I, I, uh, you know, and that and that's because if you're, you know, if if yesterday's numbers spooked you and made you think that we're going to have to, uh, you know, that that they're going to have to induce a recession, shorten semiconductors is one of the ways that a macro player would play that. So that I think that explains why, you know. Why it is? It is. Well, yeah. let's go to break. So and we why, can those sto- why those stocks are disconnecting from what maybe be more positive fundamental? Russell, let's go to break. Come back with this PPI number. You betcha. SP right. Futures up five. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. Investments will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, 
spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, my back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al, Mr. Wet Weber on the on the board over there. PPI X Food and Energy is up 0.4%. I think uh, total was down 0.1%. Uh, so uh, 7.3% up a year ago, and uh, X Food and Energy and the others is up 8 point something. These things, it's a lot more difficult to read in the CPI because we got the services part and we got the goods part. Uh, anyway, let's get the, uh, the regular report here before we dive into that. Um, we've got S&P futures up one, as that futures unchanged, so it's not really doing much for the market at this point. Um, we've got the uh, Dow futures are up 17, so they're almost flat as well. Over in Europe, we've got the the DAX again. These guys are running off the yesterday's numbers here a little bit. They're down 153, 1.2 percent. FTSE down 119, 1.6. CAC around down 52, that's 0.9. Over in Asia, the Nikkei down 796, that's almost 3 percent. Shanghai down 26.8%. Hang Seng, though, now under 19,000, down 479 to 2.5%. Uh, so Shang continues to, to head south, which is kind of crazy. Now, yesterday's numbers, again, are shocking. Dow was down 1,276. S&P was down 177. It's 4.3%. NASDAQ was down over 5% at 632. It's a huge day there. Uh, bonds were up 4 basis points, 3.46. Bonds up 4 basis points, 1.77. Japan up two basis points at 0.26. Oil up, uh, sorry, down 23 cents, 87.08. Rent down 29 cents, 92.88. Natural gas up 20 cents, 8.48. Our bob unchanged, 247. Uh, gold, even with inflation, we can't get gold to go up. Down 350 to 17.13. Silver down two cents, 19.47. That's hanging in there. Silver's had a pretty good run the last few weeks. Copper down two cents, 352. We've got Bitcoin up five bucks, 20,254. 22,005 uh, two days ago, so it's had about a 10% hit. And we have the U.S. dollar uh, is actually back under, the euro is back under $1 again. 
uh, 0.9997. So dollar strengthened up again and the pounds down to 1.15. So again, the dollar strengthening versus those uh, other currencies. Matty Gefford's Trevi Weather Sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have uh, some significant traffic building here uh, in the 7.30 a.m. local hour uh, in Chicago. Uh, we have a crash on the Jane Adams outbound side at uh, Beverly Road. That is uh, right near uh, Route 59. In fact, the traffic is backed up to Route 59 from Beverly Road. That crash is blocking the right lane if you're heading outbound on I-90 in the northwest suburbs as you're approaching uh, Elgin in that area. Uh, so uh, that's causing the delays. If you're coming inbound, uh, traffic really starting to build around O'Hare. We're about uh, an hour and 20 minutes from O'Hare into downtown. That's affecting the Edens as well. We also have heavy traffic on the uh, Eisenhower and Stevenson, but no accidents to report. We do have a crash on the Tri-State I-294 northbound at LaGrange Road. That crash is blocking the right lane and has traffic backed up to Cicero. Solid traffic on 294. We had an earlier crash there in that same area last hour, so uh, expect significant delays on 294. In fact, I would say that's our slowest moving expressway right now. Southside Expressway's uh, traffic is building, uh, but no accidents on the Ryan. Uh, we did have an earlier crash on the Bishop Ford outbound just before 111th Street, but that has been cleared. Only other crash in the area is on DuSable Lakeshore Drive. That accident is blocking the right lane on the southbound side at East 18th Drive. Uh, so that's southbound Lakeshore Drive uh, at 18th Drive there, blocking the right lane. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, a beautiful uh, mid-September day. Sunshine, uh, uh, no humidity, a high of 74. Right now it's crystal clear and 63 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 95. Right now it's clear and 80. In sports, White Sox beat the Rockies 4-2 last night on the south side. Unfortunately, Cleveland won as well, so Sox remain three games back with 20 games to play uh, for the AL Central. Cubs beat the Mets 4-1 in New York. Diamondbacks were shut out by the Dodgers 4-0. Chief. The, uh, these PPI numbers, I know I know I've never looked at them for 100 years. Uh, they're much more complicated, Russell, than the, uh, than the other yes, ones. Yes, it is. A lot more moving parts. Um, just one little sports thing. Uh, one of my buddies just put $100 down on the Brewers versus the White Sox in the World Series. Guess what it pays if that ends up happening? Uh, $15,000. $235,000. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah the Brewers. A, uh, lot, a lot has to go right. Yeah, the Brewers, <laughs> the, the Brewers are, can't win the division, but they, but they're only two back in the wild card, so they have a chance to sneak in there. The White yeah, Sox, both of them can sneak in there. Yeah, the I White Sox are three back, so they have a chance too. But yeah, <laughs> getting in is the hard part. Once they're in, it that could de- that could definitely happen. Well, that that's his two teams, and he was in, he was a really so, but much like the uh, what you guys were talking about earlier, I almost guarantee that. That any bets that pay off that much don't, you know, nobody ever wins them. Somebody put a hundred bucks down, or, or no, put a thousand dollars down on Utah State to win the national championship in football, and the payoff on that was a cool million. Manny, what was the uh, wow? When was it? A- and I swear to God, I think they got Utah and Utah State mixed up. <laughs> we had, matter of fact, Mr. Weber was the, was our lead reporter on this because he knew it and I didn't. What was it? How many years ago, Manny, were the the entire left side of the parlay car won the first time it ever happened. How many Mesquite casinos almost went broke? 
Uh, yeah, so it was that was just straight up, not against the spread. But yeah, there was um, 16 games, or, or there's probably some buys. So you know, maybe 12 games in an NFL Sunday, and all 12 favorites won. Um, so if you just simply would have bet all 12 favorites to win, uh, it probably would have paid out. I don't know. I thought they. I thought they all covered. I don't think they all covered. Uh, I mean, I guess it's possible they all covered, but um, just the fact that they all won very rarely happens, if ever. Uh, and that probably paid out a lot. I, 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 I recall, and again, you probably have better memory, but I recall the entire left side of the parlay card won. So that would be with the points, right? Well, I, I mean, there's two different kinds. There's okay. the money line right. parlays okay. or there's right. against the spread parlays. Against the spread parlays is like winning a lottery ticket. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's never happened before. That's, that would almost never happen. Yeah. Um, but, it, but I can't remember. I mean, it's possible. I, I would think it was probably just the favorites all won, uh, which still hardly ever happens, yeah. uh, but could happen. Yeah, it was uh, so I w- with his goods and services flying back and forth here. It's uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. But the uh, I mean, I, I've got I, I, here's a question for you, a, a simple question, I think. How is it that the change in final demand twelve months ago unadjusted is eight point seven percent, and it changes in uh, twelve months ago? Uh, okay, all right. Changes in final demand less good foods and energy. So. So 8.7% with uh, food and energy and, and 5.6% without. I, I think that's a little light, but that's, that's what they got. Same thing with the – so it's pretty much right in line with the consumer numbers, isn't it, Russell? Yeah. Yeah. It's not any worse. I, th- I thought it would be better, and the, I think the market was braced for worse. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're up 11, so it's not maybe, like – Maybe that's – I mean, you know, maybe, maybe that's why we're not seeing follow-through on yesterday. Why – uh? I, would, when I, when I, I mean, I'm driving and looking at my personal account and I'm talking to you. So I know what the market's doing. Well, Everybody needs to get out of the way on I-65. Yeah, well, my, my question on the ST yesterday, and uh, I, I thought when the number came out bad, of course, I don't know if you had a bit of uh, aggravate yourself by listening to the talking heads the three days before. Every single one, even though there was a big headline on CNBC yesterday, all they were talking about was how inflation was over, it was whipped, the, 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 the pivot was going to happen like maybe next meeting it'll be 25% and then it'll go down after that and blah, blah, blah. They had the whole world talked into that. And all we did was go up for yeah. three, four days in a row. But yesterday when the number came out, it didn't look that bad to me. And when we spun from 25 up on this S&P to 35 down, I figured, well, that's enough. <laughs> Boy, I think everybody was expecting a light number. I, I, I mean, I, you know, kind of like a company beats their earnings and and the stock trades off, and you know, and you find out, well, yeah, everybody, you know, they beat by three cents, and everybody expected five cents. My feeling is that, and that's part of the reason that the stock, the stock market, had been you know moving higher, was that the, the feeling was that inflation was under control, and maybe we would get you know a little bit softer number. And when the number came in just a little bit high. Uh, the market did not like that. Uh, that that was my impression of the reaction yesterday. Well, I I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've heard this morning, or in a way, in anyway, in BBM. So they're not exactly the business news, but I think what what uh, came in was that people were shocked that because all you heard about was gasoline and oil. Yep. So gasoline was in fact down twelve percent on the month. I got a twelve point two percent, but I don't. I think people were stunned that the rest of the stuff is way more important than gasoline. And just because gasoline was down, it doesn't mean 
that food and everything else wasn't up. So, because yeah. there's actually, matter of fact, one of the articles I re- read last night uh, was people were stunned at how the inflation has spread through the rest of the economy, not just gas. Russell, why would they ever think it was just gas? Where, where did they go to school? Well, uh, because that's a number that's in front of them all the time. Yeah, I suppose. And that's, I mean, really, because that, that's the one, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit before, and, and I got in a lot of trouble once for, for using this example, so I'm not going to put any genders on it. But one gender probably pays more attention to gas prices, and whoever happens to do the grocery shopping in your household, the one that hits them in the face is milk. Yeah. And I... I, I I couldn't go on prices right and guess a price of milk, a gallon of milk, to save my life right now. Well, it's yeah. You, if you don't, yeah. If you don't, I, I can guess the McDonald's breakfast because that's what I buy all the time. Well, if, 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 you know, I, like I say, everybody, know, everybody knows that the PTI is in the South Loop, and we have our, our own kitchen here, and there's no place still. The South Loop is a dead zone, so there's really no place to go. We got to walk two blocks to go get breakfast. We're not going to do that because we're watching people's money yeah. all day. So I, I cook breakfast a few days a week. Or bring stuff in, and and uh, I can tell you the price of eggs because I go to the Food Depot and I yeah. buy a case of eggs. So it's whatever you're buying. But like I say, the gasoline there's really there's nothing else you buy where you see the price for the four stations you go by, then the station you're in, and then the gas pump, and it's right in your face. So, yeah, and you see it every day, not just when you buy it. Yeah, but but realistically, oh. it's five percent of your yeah. basket according to this thing, and yeah. that leaves ninety five percent. So the other stuff's important too, duh. You know, just saying. Yeah, and the other and the other stuff is directly impacted by the price of gasoline. Yeah, why? Uh, why do you suppose? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm looking right now. I'm looking at twelve trucks. Why? Why? Uh, I don't. We need somebody who knows more about how these. I mean, Carl knows some of it, but uh, why is the price of diesel not come down? It's the buck over gas now. Uh, I think that uh, refineries that can go back and forth. Uh, have been concentrating on the other stuff. I don't think too many of them can. What Carl was saying, I, mean, I don't. I don't fully understand how the distilling process works. Um, but and you know maybe the other thing is, you, know, you can you can make a choice. You and I, I can make a choice as to whether or not I'm going to drive downtown or take the train until there's a strike. Yeah. So that you know, whereas the truck I just passed, that guy has no choice. Right. Well, I have a. Question for yeah. you regarding the, the rail strike. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, I, I don't know if you were listening to that part early. I was. What, what, what do you do um, from a federal... Evidently, there's been a 60-day cooling-off period because railroads have had a long history with this, and the, the president, uh, I mean, it's always been considered, an, you know, obviously an essential business. Um, so there's a long history of railroad strikes and government intervention. Matter of fact, they... Didn't we nationalize the railroads in World War One or something? I mean, there's some some story about that. Uh, anyway, so uh, Biden issued a 60-day uh, cooling-off period, right? And they also yeah. went went to this federal mediation thing regarding the wages and the contract, and um, so they end up pretty much right in the middle. Okay, so these guys, yeah. their their package, their total package, I'm going to say right now is 135 grand. A new package will be. 165 because they haven't had a raise in three years and there's a 14% kicker up. And what I, I go through the details off the top of my head here, but but the big problem seems to be, and I know a couple of guys that are in this, one guy texts me all the time, uh, good guy, 
Uh, he claims that he's going to sneak me and ride on a locomotive on some of the Chicago rails. That'd be pretty cool. Um, anyway, um, how do you, what do you do if there's a, or appears to have been over a long period of time, Russell, just letting go of people, letting go of people because you don't want to pay the benefits because railroad people have good benefits, hospitalization, and everything. So you're down, you're down so lean that you've got people on 24-7 call-up. So people can't even really schedule days off. They can't really schedule weekends because they're liable to be called in. Can't really go to a party. Uh, I mean, it's 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 very very difficult. How, how does how do you if you're the government how do you, how do you reverse that? Because clearly, the, the companies. I mean, let's face it, railroads are monopolies, right? I mean, there's like yeah. for, for in whenever area of the country, they're pretty much a monopoly. Uh, there's a little bit of competition, but not that much, and. Uh, how do you how do you just stop the, the the degradation of you know of, of employee well being? I mean, you're seeing it all around the rest of the place. Every other business now where people are just quitting a job people thought they love because they're getting paid more and you get more benefits somewhere else. I mean, people are are shifting all over the place. I think because of an inventory of bad feelings toward the old, old boss, for or lack of a better. How, but how do you how do you force these guys to say you can't? You got to hire more people. What's the matter with you? You can't. You can't keep squeezing. It's you can't. Like, you can't force them. You can't. I mean, you got a carrot or a stick. You can't force them. So you got to offer to subsidize the healthcare or something like that. Well, I mean, you got to. You got to give them a carrot because the stick isn't going to work. But the same thing is happening. The, the, here, here's what I'm trying to uh, do. This huge story here for the professor because maybe you have a solution. We see in Chicago, again, it's all the same movie to me. We see in the Chicago area one hospital group after another, buying another, buying another. And all of a sudden you've got five groups, and all of a sudden when you see the nurses go out on strike, they're not bitching about money. They're bitching about working conditions and dragging. Oh, yeah. No, they're totally, it, it's really funny. Um, that, no, that, that's totally an issue, and it's, it's not a new issue. Uh, I teach a healthcare, I teach a graduate class in healthcare management. Um, during the winter quarter, so from November to February, and they gave me a lot of insights on like, like the healthcare part of PPI or the CPI. I knew it was going to show up later because things are contracted on a year-over-year basis. There are all kinds of cool things that I learned. Uh, they had to do uh, a project at, at to you know, that, that came up with something that could change where they work and save money and. I think half of the nurses in that class came up with things that would lower the, you know, here are things that would help me and lower the amount of labor that I have to put in day to day to what I do. And one of them was like a pneumatic tube system because whenever they got a certain certain prescription or something, they had to walk it almost three quarters of a mile to somewhere else in the hospital. And they were trying to put a dollar amount on that time, you know, on that, on that amount of time. But all of the nurses were looking at ways that they could justify making their jobs a little easier. And I'm not saying that they were trying to be lazy. They were looking at it that way because that, you know, they were very frustrated with respect to their job. Yeah, but it, it seems whenever you have more and more concentration, read more monopoly power, those are the issues that pop up, not just pay. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and, and I, I mean, it, I hadn't thought of it in the way that you just put it, when they were doing that, I just thought it was really interesting that they looked at ways they could streamline their jobs and, and show how they could be more efficient and save money that way. 
like they may actually need one less nurse. They were they they, they were justifying it that way as well by trying to make their labor a little bit easier and justifying it with numbers and they and rightfully so. Again, I don't want to come across as saying that they're trying to get away with not working as hard because those women are goddesses. Yeah, those people are goddesses. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't see. Uh, but I mean, you have. I'm married to one. That's why I say that. Oh God. Well, yeah. I mean. Uh-huh. My, my my issue with um, hospitals in the last few years, not just, unfortunately, I was there a little bit, but uh, other people is the individual people you run into, you never have to worry about, you know, them not being able to do what they do. They they seem amazingly trained and skilled. The coordination yeah. the coordination is horse bleep. I mean, the, the care is terrible. I mean, if you if you if, compared to what um, I think it used to be, I mean. It, the the uh, I know I know one guy they, they the doctor put him he put him he went to Northwestern like in the emergency room and they said oh you got you got to stay he, he, this is like ten in the morning at five o'clock yeah. he he hadn't seen a soul his son was up there and he goes give me my clothes I'm getting out of here he walked out no he didn't see a didn't see a didn't see a soul didn't even know what was wrong with him it was like, I mean hey, crazy stuff crazy stuff yeah I mean uh. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's all causing that, but anyway, um, I know what I know what part, is. <laughs> and it's not it's not Northwestern, um, but um, I got uh, I got hit in the head and needed some stitches when I was in the loop recently, and went to and I, it was bleeding so badly I had to go to the ER, and when I went to the ER. I got in. I got stitched up in and out in like ninety minutes. Wow! And and I, and I you know I get home and you know I've got something that looks like clock hands on my head now. And my wife and I, I said I couldn't believe it. And she goes, "They looked at your insurance. You have really good insurance, and they'll fast track people that they that have really good insurance so that you'll go back there. But they also know that they're going to get fully paid." Wow, what was it? What was the tab for this little event? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know. But I was I was bleeding like crazy. It was it looked worse than it was, but I still had to get my head stitched up. Yeah, it's a uh, you can get cuts on the head. Have you ever have you ever played a lot of basketball? And, and and Maddie has once in a while somebody will catch an elbow just right to like your your eyebrow. It'll, yeah, it'll be like one or two stitches, and yet you got to like mop the floor. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. The, uh, yeah, when I was a professional wrestler, we would use uh, razors to slice a little God bit in her forehead, and that's where all the blood would Yeah, when you, when you were hanging out with Dick the Bruiser and Crusher and those guys. Jerry Waller. Yeah, and uh, the Baron, yeah. we ever see the Baron Von Raschke? <laughs> I remember him, yeah. We went to, uh, actually, it's a little bit of a weird, funny story. Back when they had all those guys were around, Dr. J, uh, his dad, um, was Hulk Hogan's personal doctor. Right. Oh wow! So we get free tickets, like really good seats over on uh, what was this? What's the Circle Arena there? What do they call it, Manny? The uh, well, University of Illinois Chicago Arena. Yeah, like UIC Pavilion yeah, or yeah. something. So we head over oh, there, yeah. and all, and of course Hulk Hogan had gotten disqualified or something like the week before. I mean, the the choreography here. John says the deal is you keep you know how you see these guys keep wrestling or throwing guys, and they get on somebody, and all of a sudden they flip the guy off, and then uh. And all, all of a sudden, like he, the guy's pinned, right? And you say, "Well, gee, he was in mu- that much trouble two seconds ago." 
Well, he says there's a guy underneath the, the thing, and he and he pounds three times on the bottom of the thing when time's up, and one guy gets pinned. And guy, well, oh yeah, you see the signal. But and the, um, the, well, there are these these girls around me. One guy loses, and they're balling. I'm like, you gotta be kidding! Me. So guess who walks oh. in? Because he was disqualified the week before, but Hulk Hogan, and he's walking in with his with a ticket. He's got the ticket over his head, and he's yelling, I had to buy a ticket. I should be in this heavyweight match, and I was disqualified. I, but here I had to buy this ticket. The place is going wild. I'm going, I go, these people are nuts. <laughs> I guess it was. Hey, um, on, that, on that topic, um, WWE, uh, they, do, they do periodic tryouts, and they usually only let people that have wrestled at lower circuits do tryouts. They decided to allow some college wrestlers to try out, and they had so many injuries because these guys didn't know how to, you know, work with somebody else that's flipping on. They had like 13 concussions, and they're like, well, we're not going to do that again. Well, when you start so jumping. It is a skill. Oh, it's a, it's a, when you start jumping on somebody, like off the top of the ropes and stuff, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to kill a guy. Yeah. No, if you, I mean, if, if the other person isn't, you know, carrying your weight down as you go down, hell yeah. I mean, and it's it's not, it, not, it was just like more injuries than they've ever had in tryouts because they were letting it, it, college football and college wrestlers try out and they just didn't know what the hell they were doing. It has nothing to do with re- who's the guy that we had on the show a couple times, Matt? The guy from Bermuda, John Layfield. Yeah, uh, who was a big time WWE professional wrestler for a long time. And every time he changed uh, handlers, did he change his name or something? Probably Thomas would know better than me, but but yeah. Who was his his wife? I haven't seen her in ages on Wall Street. What was her name? She was she was a big market guru for a while. Uh, blonde hair. God, who am I talking about? It's like Meredith Whitney or something. Is it Meredith Whitney? I think so. You remember her, Russell? Wow. That was that was I Jan- did not. Yeah, it was Jan- She was, you know, the Elaine Gazzarelli. She was she was the it girl for a long time. And then she made some real bad call, and a market went was going up, and it went down, or the other way around. And then she was called on to. She was like, what's her name with the Ark? She keeps called on there where she keeps asking. Oh, about, yeah, uh, Kathy. Yeah, this lady got got absolutely slammed in her fund, and then she must have headed back to Bermuda and never seen her from again. But she was good. I mean, and, and the guy was a terrific guest. He played football. For, didn't he? Man, he played football for uh, was it Texas or someplace? I think he played college football. I think he played major college football. Yeah, I I wouldn't be able to even guess where. He's a I big guy. Look it up. I mean, a big huge guy. I mean, but uh, all right. So Russell. Uh, what do you think? Yes, are, are we going to come flying back next couple of days here, or are we just, or is yesterday just an, an adjustment in the market and we start fresh? I think we. I don't think we come flying back, but I think we grind back up. You think so? Yeah. What? Uh, and do you think these hey. guys are going to do their seventy-five points? Oh, of course. You think so? Even right. That, that was priced in. That hadn't changed. I didn't check it. I was wondering if maybe it had popped up to one percent yesterday, but I didn't. I was in the middle of some other stuff. And you know, one percent. I what I don't what I don't want him to do. I don't want him to do the same thing Volcker did, and when inflation was actually changed to keep raising stuff up because you you don't realize that it's, it's just the numbers coming through. I don't want these guys to go too far here either. Right, and and hopefully that I mean that's that's kind of the gist of what I've, I've been trying to regurgitate today is that um, you know, they they are going to need to take care of it now or they're going to have to make a Volcker move in the future and we don't want that. No, we don't want that. Nobody wants that. No. They don't want to do that. Oh, well, all right. Drive safe, buddy. Oh, and one, la- one last thing. Nice 60-day cooling-off period. Isn't it nice how that comes right after Election Day? No, it's a Friday. It's over. 
Oh, I thought you said, oh, we're in the middle of it. I thought. Yeah, no, we're, 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 oh, okay. that's why they're talking about strike. It's over Friday. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Hey, we, we might talk to you before next week. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know if we need you. We might. SP Futures up 11, okay. Futures <laughs> up 48. Be right back. And be right back tomorrow morning, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.